Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble, I fumble like a Gregor Brian Gumbo. Standing on the ground, flat feet, work, turning worms to jerks. Welcome to the Rumble. Today is May the 4th, Star Wars Day, and we are back and better than ever helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punch, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting. I'm at Claims Coach on Instagram and TikTok, affectionately referred to as the Mouth of the South. Alongside of me, as always, is Mr. Brent Hooper with Max Claim Solutions out of Baltimore, Maryland. We just call him the Beast of the East and the continuously conciliate and the vivaciously vigorous, the one and only Baby Case, Miss Donna. How's it going, everybody? Yeah. What's up? What's up? Man, Brent's got big changes coming. Yep, he's got big changes coming. Oh yeah, like he, we're, we're 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 down we're down to the final days, the final days. He thought he thought everything changed when he got married, but oh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the sounds that will be coming. No, never mind the sounds. It'll be the smells uh, that will be coming from 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 the Hooper residence very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Brent will be welcoming a brand new life and a brand new baby. Henry Jameson Hooper Yay. will be with us. The next time we have a podcast, I believe that he will be a part of the population. Congratulations, man. That's a good deal. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. We're uh, we're pretty excited. I can't. Is everything baby proofed and ready to go? Uh, hell no. I mean, the house is the house is ready to go. I mean, he won't be able to move for for a while, right? So, um, but yeah, I know because you keep you spend the first year trying to get him to walk and talk, yeah. and the next twenty five years trying to get him to sit <laughs> down and up. shut up. So <laughs> exactly, good, good luck with that. Babies are stupid. They can't even hold their head. Yeah. <laughs> They're so dumb. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I said hi to Marshall's baby. Didn't even respond. Right. I acted like she wasn't there. How dumb is crazy. that baby? Babies are stupid. Marshall, get your kids in there. Man. Come on. Yeah, man. Baby case, what's going on in the world? Lots of stuff is going on in the world. First of all, it's Star Wars Day, which every day is Star Wars Day. But this is when the with the other people yeah. celebrate it. May the 4th be with you. Yes. And yesterday, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. We had a death that's a big one for me. This Mr. Gordon Lightfoot has died. Gordon Lightfoot. Yes. The he was singer, years songwriter. Old. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Huge catalog. Yes. Very, what are some of his, uh, you know, more famous songs that people might identify with? Sundown. Um, if you could read my mind. Uh, the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I'm assuming that. Lots of white people like jammed out to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Well, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a moment of silence for Mr. Gordon Lightfoot. All right, that's enough of that. Let's give him a little more time. This is a big one. He gets a little more time. Okay, so two moments of silence for Mr. Gordon Lightfoot. Okay, that's enough of that. that. Great. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brent, (laughs) um, how you know how have things been getting prepared for the baby and getting ready to go and you know still running a crazy business there and you know working claims all that kind of stuff um it's been exciting and annoying and i love my wife and um, but you know we got some work done at the house 
And, uh, dude, I'm ready to go. I just want to give the guy a fist bump and see what the hell he's got to offer. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it is the coolest job I've ever had being a dad. So, um, I don't recommend doing it before you're ready, but here's the thing is you're probably never going to be ready. So you should just dive in, but that's how that goes. Guys, we have got an incredible show today. I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Um, we wrapped up our policy interpretation and now we're going to be kind of talking about kind of one of the most, um, sort of dreaded, you never really know how it's going to go. And that's called the reinspection and how that thing is used on the carrier's side, how we should respond to it. Um, I want to remind you that it's going to be coming to you in three separate rounds. When you hear this sound, you know that the round has begun. And when you hear this sound, you know that the round is over. If you hear anything cool, it is not me or Brent. As always, it is Baby Cakes over there twisting and tweaking and doing <laughs> her thing. So make sure you throw out all the love to her if you hear anything funny because it's generally her. Um, but Brent and I are going to go after it, and uh, we're excited to dive into this because round one starts right after this. choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including free voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well. Call or message Sally today. If you want to get started, you can reach her at 214-789-1651. Again, her name is Sally Brigance. Her number is 214-789-1651. And uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up. When you send her a referral that signs up with her, she'll credit your billing account. Logos are also available. Um, and she also offers a lead generation service in SEO, search engine optimization, where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of Google or your money back. It is spelled T-H-R-Y-B. And you can find my good friend Sally Brigance, and that's spelled S-A-L-L-I-E. Brigance, B-R-I-G-A-N-C-E, and she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651. Round one, reinspection with the vendor or a ladder service. This by far is probably my... <laughs> I find it the most laughable, I guess. You know what I'm saying? It's like, let's throw this out there. But I'm going to go ahead and let you kind of kind of take this one, Brent. I, I kind of chuckle at it and kind of bury my face in my hands going, what were they thinking when they came up with this idea? I mean, I could tell you what they were thinking. <laughs> I, could tell, I, I mean, we know. <laughs> we know what they're thinking. Um, let's send someone out, someone out there that has absolutely no authority to do anything. 
and let's mitigate liability by not having our adjusters inspect the loss. And we can insulate ourselves from any sort of, I don't know what word to use. The one, the one that's coming to mind is malpractice, but it's not even the right word, but yeah, it's let's insulate ourselves from any sort of perceived wrongdoing. We're just going to have this person go out and uh, take pictures and they have no authority. They haven't seen the policy. Um, in most instances, they are not really even sure what they're looking for other than perhaps the work order that they got, which is inspect roof. Um, and so, yeah, that's what they show up and do. They show up and take pictures. And have you, have you, how often have you run into it, Brent? I mean, I myself have run into it quite a bit, but I'm just kind of curious how you've run into it. I mean, like what your experience has been sort of the, the, the practical application of dealing with these guys. Well, I wrote down, I jotted down a few things. And one of the things I wrote down is in the context of a reinspection, I wrote down the question, is a staff adjuster going to be there or a, you know, field adjuster, whatever you want to call it. Is a actual adjuster going to be there or not? Um, the answer to that question is sort of important. Um, in terms of my dealings with them, like what, what have I experienced or how often, I mean, look in the storm claims, depending on the carrier that you're dealing with and when you get involved as a public adjuster, I mean, this is commonplace, right? You see it pretty often. Um, yeah, I've seen it quite a bit. You know, I've, I've seen it. How you, how absolutely. you deal with them is, I guess the. That's the fun part, for lack of a better expression, you know, because the way that I look at it is you kind of got two options. You chalk it up as a waste of time and you got you let them do their thing and provide a, a bullshit work product or you go out there with the idea in mind that, hey, look, while this person might not have any authority, you know. I want to actually try to make this worth my time. Again, as a public adjuster, this is kind of what's going through my mind. It's like, you know, they can't write an estimate. They don't know it's in the policy. They've never seen the policy. They they may or may not know why they're here. But in so far as I'm going to take the time to go out and meet them, I kind of want to make it worthwhile. And so the practical application of that is asking those questions. Why are you here? What are you doing? You know, what were you told you were looking for? Um, some of these need to be asked before they come out, but when I'm, I completely agree with that. All all of these things need to be asked. All of these things need to be asked before they come out. Um, when an adjuster tells you that they're sending out one of these third party companies, one of the first questions you need to ask is, okay, can you please send me a copy of their guidelines? So we understand how they're defining their damage. All right. Wow. Yeah, that's that's huge. What, I, I, you know, I hadn't even really thought about asking that question, but that's a that's a really good question. It's like, what do they look? I mean, to ask the question of what they're looking for. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to ask I want to ask, ask the desk adjuster that and, I, and I'm going to ask the person that's out there before before we step foot on the roof. It's like, hey, let's just make sure let's just make sure we're playing with the same, you know, the same set of rules here. You know, well, let I, you know, and at the, I, I, I fully intend to do a little bit of educating here. You know what I'm saying? And, 
and pro- and hopefully imparting um, a certain level of best practices that that hopefully um, that hopefully kind of give you a way to handle these certain guys because there's like, certain things that that Brent brought up. First of all, let's look at let's look at the obvious. These guys were given a work order to go complete something and their idea of handling the claim is furthest from their mind. What's covered, what's not covered, what's damaged, what's not damaged is the furthest thing from their mind. And I truly believe by and large, when you deal with the guy that shows up in his pickup truck and actually gets on the roof, doesn't have a dog in the hunt and doesn't really care one way or the other, whether the roof gets approved or gets denied. He's just there to look at damage. And most Hold of on, the correction, time he is correction. Committed. He's there to, he is there to check the boxes so he can get his 200 bucks for his inspection. And insofar as, well, I completely, insofar as he checks the boxes and takes the pictures and draws the, you know, draws the chalk marks or whatever bullshit they're doing, you know, it's, it's like, you need to take a class in geometry to understand how they inspect a roof nowadays. But insofar as he checks those boxes and does exactly what he's told to do to a degree, you know, he's going to get us 200 bucks and he's got four more after yours. But also understand he is comparing this roof that he's looking at your claim, the one that you're handling to everything else that he's looking at either in the area or where he came from previously. Cause often these guys are, you know, sort of nomadic and they travel from city to city, depending on where the work sure. is. And there's a couple of different services out there. One may have come from Mississippi where he was looking at, you know, tornado damage and he was looking at all of the storm damage there. And then they land him in, they land him in Baltimore, Maryland, where there's not as much storm damage. And he knows what like extensive storm damage looks like. And he jumps up on a roof in Baltimore, Maryland that might've had inch and a quarter hail on really steep roofs. And he's not looking at the same thing and i look i'm not defending him brent what i'm saying is is that he is human and his eye for damage is skewed based on based on the area that he's working in based on the other roofs and and he is forced to compare based on everything else that he's looking at and he is not evaluating this claim in and of itself that being said let me follow up with this. The thing is, is that they're not provided with a ton of instructions. Number two, while they may go through whatever engineering class to certify them, to say that they're a roof inspector, whatever training that they've had to qualify them, steep and tall uh, or otherwise, the reality is, is they don't have any business speaking to anything other than the damage that's on the roof. And most commonly, they're up there looking for isolated storm damage. And I mean isolated in that they're not evaluating any sort of things that may have occurred during the storm, like windborne debris, like, um, you know, just footfall from previous inspections. Um, they're not cataloging any of this damage. Most commonly in Texas, they're up there looking for hail. In fact, I was on one inspection. The guy came up and I, that's, and he came down to report to the, I was actually standing there with a staff adjuster at the time. The guy was on the roof and he came down and I said, did you see anything? And he just kind of shook his head. No. And then the words, these words came out of his mouth. It's all just really small. (laughs) But did you write it down? I said, did you write it down? Well, no, it's just, it's really small. 
Oh, so so now we have qualifications. So now we're using your qualifications of if the damage is significant enough. It, the policy doesn't say significant damage. I turned to the adjuster and literally said, "They're not. You don't owe just for significant damage. You owe for damage." So the hail was very small. The what? <laughs> The hail. <laughs> the hail must have been incredibly small. I was <laughs> like, well, hail damage is hail damage. And I end up getting this roof bought. But by and large, what happens is, is that they come out, they look for the, 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 the primary peril, I guess is the best way to put it. And then if it doesn't just leap off and fall on their face and wiggle, <laughs> then they're not going to write it down or they have irrefutable, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I'm stumbling all over us. Yeah, they're looking for the irrefutable damage that matches their guidelines. Like, Brent, you were on a roof with someone, and he said that, well, the mat's not really cracked. Yeah. And I said, how can, right? yeah, I said, how can you tell? <laughs> how can you tell? Based on what? What 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 where it where does the map begin? He like, told look, me he told and everybody and every, sorry, I'm talking over you. Everybody everybody's heard this. Great. It's like you know, he's saying it, it's not it's not according to his his rules or guidelines or whatever, you know, it's not hail damage unless the mat's cracked. And I looked at him and I said, Well, how do you determine that? That was and he looked back at me. And, I, and more than likely, he had no yeah. answer. Looks at his guidelines. Looks back at you. Yeah. Um. I said, you know, I said, are, are you going to look at the underside of the shingle? No. Do you have a microscopic camera? No. Well, so how do you determine if the mat's cracked? Now, granted, sometimes you can feel it, you know, I, like, but I'm like, okay. so if hail hits the roof and doesn't crack the mat and you can see the hail hit and it, you know, you got granule loss and stuff like that. Like, that's not hail damage. And he's like, huh, never thought about it like that. I'm like, because in the, at, the, cause at the point is, is severity is immaterial. That's right. Severity is immaterial. Now, I love severe hail damage because it's, it's easy. easy. <laughs> you know what but, I mean? That's an easy thing to do. But this is where you need to perk your ears up guys if you're dealing with a ladder service that is that is conducting a reinspection never mind what i have what my opinion of the reinspection is in general and i'll get into that hopefully at some point in the show um, but the point is, is that they do not have the policy. They cannot speak to causation. Check your state mandates, you know, wherever you may be listening. Um, but check your state mandates on causation. But by and large, you need to be a licensed adjuster to determine causation because that directly affects the coverage that's available. It's not because this person doesn't have the capability of telling what hail damage is. It is that he is up there inspecting damages that are to be covered or not covered based on his assessment of it. And if he has not been given the full knowledge and the full policy to understand where coverage should be extended and for what perils and how that policy works, then he doesn't have any business differentiating the damage that he's looking at, whether it's footfall damage, well, wear and don't. tear, whatever they the don't. case may they be. They stopped doing that. You know, by and large, the reports they stopped on that. The, the reports that I see, again, we're in different markets. The reports that I see from these third-party companies, um, you know, they'll 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 document damage and they'll call it some made-up term like roofing damage anomaly. Right. 
It does. It doesn't right. mean it's well, not covered, but they don't. There was a time. Yeah, there was a time where these companies would say, "Like, hey, this is a wind damage shingle, and we found three of them." You know. Um, yeah, but there was right. The, yeah, there was no wind damage on the roof. The the rip- that's the one I was. There was no hail damage on the roof. It's the exclusion of the damage that you're looking for that is more my concern. I didn't see any hail damage on the roof. Right. Well, who told you to look for hail damage? Well, the carrier did. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> that's my well, point. and the carrier. Well, look, because of guys like you and girls like me, they they now they just don't. They just don't. They just call it something fucking something else. An anomaly. <laughs> so it's yeah. Like, well, the, and, the and, carriers, and I, the carriers got so, smart. So now these guys, go, guys and yeah. gals, they go up there and they they draw their diagrams and they do their thing. And whether it's covered, it's not covered. We're, we're just going to make a new name up for, for the damage. And, and that's what it is. <laughs> and, then, and then you and I get stuck talking to a desk adjuster going, well, that's not wind damage. That's just... Uh, well, they're calling it an anomaly, and then they apply apply some exclusionary policy term to it. Oh, well, that's mechanical, which that's a whole different conversation. But that's a yeah, which is not which is not excluded under the policy. <laughs> mechanical damage. It's all mechanical damage, by the way. Just so you know, every bit of the damage that you see on a roof, other than normal wear and tear, which defining what that looks like is like. Well, I'm not even going to get into it. Other than normal wear and tear, it's all mechanical damage. Every bit of it is mechanical damage. Hail damage is mechanical damage. Football damage is mechanical damage. Flying trampolines, babies, whatever the case may be. If something impacts that roof, it would be considered from an engineering standpoint, mechanical damage. And so the idea, the reason that these guys originally came into play is so that staff adjusters didn't have to climb steep and tall roofs. Um, and they didn't have to hold on. I mean, I, I know because that's why I hired them. I thought when I was an I, I didn't And Jeremy, you would know better than me, but I thought that these companies became super prominent, uh, with, you know, following COVID. Well, you're not wrong. They did become their, their roles changed heavily back when I was in IA. Like for example, I worked a ice dam. I worked an ice dam. uh, uh, I worked an ice dam storm uh, once upon a time. And uh, it was, it was a while back. It was, it was several years back that I worked an ice dam storm. I'm going to wait for that to go away. I worked an ice dam storm a while back. I mean, it was towards the beginning of my career and there was, and it was up in the Northeast. And as you know, in the Northeast, there's not a lot of real estate in individual states and towns because it's all really crammed together. So people built their houses taller. And so there was a lot of three and four story and Brent up in your area. You see a lot of that being a part of the original 13. You can see, you, you see a lot of taller, taller structures as far as houses go. And we would call them in simply because we were traveling and didn't have the ladders yeah, to carry sure. with us or you know or it was just really out kind of outside the scope of what you expect somebody with our training to to risk you know what i mean we're not covered by workers comp insurance we're all you know subcontractor 1099 employees and you need to be certified there was at one point in time i was actually certified steep and tall which at this point is laughable and um <laughs> but 
originally that's where it was, but the onset of COVID, they were willing to go out and do inspections. And that's really where they all kind of came in. They became more prevalent and the carriers figured out a way that we can pay these guys, you know, $175 to go do these roof inspections as opposed to paying IAs, you know, four or 500 bucks to go out, do a roof inspection, take pictures and write an estimate. It was a cost savings effort. And it's pretty much, in my opinion, bit the carrier in the ass. I don't know what, I mean, because it, it has proven to be really, for lack of a better term, beatable in arguments when it comes down to making coverage decisions with their Ooh, reports. I got two quick thoughts to end this round. Number one is I don't have a problem with these companies and or the individuals, right? Not that we need to be correct. politically correct, but I actually admire these folks that go out. And, and what I have found is that to some, in some respects, they can be really thorough and they can do a really good job. They are, they are hamstrung by the bullshit rules that they have to follow. Right. So there's that. I agree. So like, this is not a, uh, at least for me personally, this is not a, a shot across the bow at these companies. I, I mean, I love them. Shit. I hire them. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I like I, I but it's like, dude, these, these guys and gals are going out there and following freaking smokescreen rules. And, and it, and it's, I just think if there's a practical application going all the way back to the beginning of the round, it's like, ask the questions. What rules are we playing by on this reinspection? Um, so there's that. And I forgot what my second bullet point was. So we can just move, move along. <laughs> I, well, I mean, and I, I, I guess, I guess that's, that's, that's really, yeah. And I, and I do want to move along I, and I, I want to tie it up with this. Most, most of these guys don't have any intention of, of, of providing a damning report because they want to see your claim denied. That's you know what I mean? There's no, there's no, there's no benefit to them there. They get paid the same no matter what. And I don't think that's the case. I think by and large, they are asked to do a job that they've not been equipped to do. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that they've been given the information, but that that by and large is is kind of what ties it up. Anything final there, Brent, before we move no, on? Sir. All right. Well, round two starts right after this. Hey, can I go take a pee real quick? Yeah, no. sure. Go ahead. <laughs> Why didn't you bring your Gatorade bottle, bottle like the rest Won't of Won't fit.
One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round two, IA reinspection. <laughs> My round two, <laughs> IA reinspection. <laughs> Okay, so my board messed up. There's nothing I can do about that. And that's just the way that goes. So, um, <laughs> dealing with IAs is kind of a different thing. And I this is where I am going to get into how I think um, IA inspections are, are, are somewhat weaponized between you and me, Brent. Um, In- inspections think, or think- re-inspections? Reinspections. Okay. I'm sorry. Did I say inspections? I, I meant reinspections. When they send out an IA to do a reinspect, that is something that sort of aggravates me. And I just want to tell everybody that listens to the Rumble why I think reinspections are kind of complete bullshit, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Because if you are a public adjuster that is in my opinion, doing your job. And I'm going to by and large think that based on the culture that I see within the stream of people that I know within my network, I believe, you know, public adjusters are going to go out there. They're going to document the loss. They're going to take photographs with um, varying degrees of effectiveness, but they're going to take their photographs. They're going to pull their white papers. They're going to talk to contractors. They're going to have invoices and they're going to put their file together and they're going to submit this thing, whether, you know, with their exactimate estimate and all this kind of stuff, they're going to pile it all together and they're going to send it into a carrier. Brent, you've done this a thousand times. I've done this a thousand times. This is just standard and so we send it into the carrier the desk adjuster picks up the phone and goes yeah we got your uh we got your report here and uh i was looking over it and i'm looking at your photo we're gonna go ahead and just schedule a re-inspection because our scope is so far apart okay um what is it that you're wanting why why is the re-inspection well we just need to take another look at it and i'm happy to have you come out and take another look at what i want to know is is why well we've just got to get some additional documentation is it any different than the documentation that i've already well you know while we appreciate well what's my documentation missing why send somebody out i'm more than happy to go get you the document well we're just gonna go ahead and send our guy on out there oh so he can take pictures and send you an estimate and a report, which is exactly the same thing that I've done, yet you want somebody else to go out there and do it. So the only reason that I can think that you're doing is either A, this is a red herring to stall, or B, you're looking for a reason to deny the claim. That's the only viable thing that I can think of that you are 
trying to do. And so you want to come out and either verify whether or not the roof is repairable, the siding is, you know, discontinued, whatever it is, because I've provided you all the information to make it, make a coverage decision here. And you're just going to go out and either you're trying to refute it or you're trying to verify it. And I'm not real sure why you feel like you need to verify this. That's my question is what is it about my report that appears to be inaccurate to you? Do you like to buy stuff online? Depends on what it is. Not clothes. <laughs> I hate buying clothes online. I mean, I, I mean, unless it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be able to feel and touch it. I can't tell you the number of times I've bought something online and thought, Hey, this is going to be really good. And this thing is awesome. And the, and the, and the Instagram video that I watched on it. Look, this thing yeah, is exactly. Be awesome. Like you, you just watched an Instagram video with it's this new button down shirt and perhaps the guy in the video, the, the algorithm is working correctly. And the guy in the video kind of looks something like you, not nearly as sexy, but he's kind of like built like you and the shirt fits him fucking perfectly. Are you buying that shirt? Right. Are, are you buying that shirt? If, if he's built like, if he's built like me, probably so I'm going to evaluate that. I, I I don't know. I mean, I would be inclined to, but I've done it enough to know that I, that's usually a bad idea until I can look at it. And I want to know if their returns process is easy. That's for sure. <laughs> Point I'm getting at is I, I don't buy, I don't buy clothes or shoes online because while it looks good and the marketing's good, I just don't trust it. I gotta, I gotta put it on. I gotta try it. You know, I got to do the funny things in front of the mirror to see, to, you know, like, you, you know what, you know, when you're trying on shoes, all the stupid shit you do as if that is any indication yeah. of how that shoe's going to feel yeah. after you walk five miles in it. Like the point is, if I'm playing devil's advocate, I feel like our claim packet is nothing more than a good marketing video. And when they go, yeah, well, we're going to send out a whatever. They're, that's their way of going, hey, you know, we still got to try it on. And the policy provides them the right to do that. Oh, sure. they reply. But what they do is they just go to another website and look at the same damn thing and go, okay, I'll buy that one. <laughs> that's the problem with it, Brent. Is It's like, I don't like it on this website, but I'll trust this website. If I'm looking on Zappos, I'm not going to buy tennis shoes. But if it's on Amazon, damn it, that'll work for me. And that's that's a fact. That's a fact. And and honestly, I, I, I tried to play devil's advocate for the carrier, and I'm already out of ammunition. That's the only that's the only practical non non delay deny defend type of tactic. It's the only practical sort of reasonable answer I can come up with is hey inspect what you expect and while we appreciate your report and it's probably better than anything any employee of ours will ever turn in, we're going to go ahead and send somebody out there to verify what we probably know and believe to be true. Right. We're just going to go see if we can find somebody that'll agree with us. Ye that fits our narrative. Oh, and look, we found somebody. And sorry. I no, no. You know what? Look, you, you and I, you and I had a very healthy debate on this sort of kind of already. And, and, you know, I think reinspections, I actually like them. <gasps> you know? Okay. Look. 
as a public adjuster, we got to go out and we got to do what we got to do. Our job's to prove the damn loss. And so we go out, we prove the loss. And we put we put our claim Bible together and we send it in. And it's like, hey, here the fuck it is. Right? What do you think <laughs> they're going to do? What do you, you know? Uh, 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 well, you know, a fifty a fifty billion dollar company sent sent some goofball out there that wrote a fifteen thousand dollar estimate on a hundred thousand dollar claim, and we are the guys that come in and tell that fifty billion dollar company that hey hey guys you you missed some stuff. What do you like? I want to I want to give proper credence to a fifty billion dollar company sent some goofball out there. That is awesome. <laughs> That is incredible. I, Brent, you're so, that's the problem that I have with it is let's go send, let's go send one other person out there. The the whole reason that I'm even sending you a supplement, you're going to send the same caliber of person out there knowing that you're going to get the exact same report back from them. Maybe they find, you know, some damage on the fence or some damage on the AC vents, but they're not allowed to write a roof estimate any more than the first guy that you sent out there. And you want to sit there and tell me, oh, we're going to stick with our guy. Well, <laughs> see, the thing is, is I love the reinspection because I'm there. <laughs> right well, you, well you, you aren't enough. you aren't I, there yeah. on the first one or the second one well like, again as a public adjuster are- as a public adjuster you know sometimes we take on claims and i i i know you're going to agree with me on this it's like you take on that claim there's been four reinspection and a half a dozen engineers and by the time we put together our report we got to overcome 97 different objections and and misapplied coverage provisions just to get the fucking reinspection. So well, by the time absolutely. I get out there on a the reinspection, I'm like, let's go. We're about to get this claim settled. It feels like a win. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, for, it feels like a win. You know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I, I'll never forget the first time a desk, adju- desk adjuster calls me up and he goes, You've been awarded a reinspection. <laughs> I was like, Yay. <laughs> awarded. I've been awarded. Is there going to be a ceremony? Do I do I need to buy? Should I rent a tux? Awarded. Yeah, you've got to buy a tux. It's always better to buy. You know what I mean? It's it's not high school palm anymore, right? You've been awarded. So, no, I, I, you've been awarded a reinspection, and I'm like, I don't want a reinspection. Is there something my report's missing? Is there something that you need to verify? But in all of that, whether it's the ladder, whether it's the the ladder assist guy, or whether it's uh, an IA, the most important thing that I want to tell you guys, you contractors, public adjusters, homeowners, whoever may be listening to this, the idea that I want to instill is that when you have a reinspection, be ready to demonstrate the damages. I can't tell you how many reinspections I've been on where the guy says, well, just let me do my thing and I'll let you know what I find. And I'm like, well, I, I'm not really going to do that because the idea here is, is for me to prove the loss, right? I've got to, I've got to prove the loss. And the other idea here is for me to demonstrate the damages for which I'm claiming payment yeah. for. So I am going to show these things to you and you're welcome to take pictures of that, but you running around trying to find some some sort of damage or try to disqualify it or try to even find additional damage is not really the point of the reinspection. What triggered the reinspection was the documentation that I sent in 
don't you want to look at that? So guys, handhold those reinspections. Be there. Be present. If you're not somebody who gets on the roof, make sure you have one of your field guys out there that can get on the roof and point to the damage. If not, have like an aerial map of the of the roof where you're saying that damages are, and make sure they come down with documentation of those damages. That's what I would. That's what I would advise. Damage diagramming is really important, especially on a roof claim. Um, I want to piggyback a comment that you just made because again, whether you're a contractor, public adjuster, uh, freaking homeowner, when the adjuster shows up and they want to be sort of standoffish and, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, let me, like you said, let me, let me do my thing and da, 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 da. And then we'll talk at the end. Now, see, that's exactly the point in time where you ask the question. It's like, whose responsibility is it to actually prove this loss? And how many times have you actually been to this house? What do you actually know about this loss? So on a practical basis, what exactly is your role here? Right? Yeah. It's, it's a pair. It's a, it's a paradigm that especially contractors and, and maybe public adjusters, depending on experience levels, but it's a paradigm that, um, at least a lot of my contractor friends get caught up in a lot where, you know, the adjuster, what, again, whether it's ladder now or an IA or an engineer or whatever, but sh they show up and it's kind of like, Hey, you know, look, I I'm, I'm here to do what I got to do. And if you could just stay out of my way, that'd be great. Well, Hey, that's excellent. But, um, insofar as you have any desire to do a thorough job, um, well, I'm the guy here that knows a lot more about this loss than you. This isn't a policy thing. If you're a conscious, this isn't a policy thing. It's like, hey, look, the homeowner called me first. So if it's all the same to you, I'm going to go ahead and point out what's going on. I'm going to get I'm going right. to go ahead and point out what the homeowner's claiming. And to our contractor friends out there. Let them do their thing. Stay out of their way. There's no need to be adversarial or litigious about it. And while they document their thing, make sure you document yours. Right? Absolutely. I mean, but uh, while you're while you're doing that, do not abdicate your your authority, though. That's the that's the thing is right. that your job that the homeowner has hired you to do is to basically represent them in the claim because you have an understanding of the policy. You have an understanding of the damages that you want covered, that you believe that coverage exists for. Those are the things that we want to talk about. Now, the nuance of how coverage happens and what coverage is extended once it goes back to the desk adjuster, or even if that individual there is sent out there to agree on scope or whatever the case may be, don't abdicate your authority. If they're out there to agree on scope, then, then I would certainly make plenty of policy arguments to defend yourself. You know, I mean, I think that that is, I think that that's a key part of what we do and what we're supposed to do. Don't just sit in the, in, in the cab of your pickup waiting for that guy to see my air quotes, do his thing. And, and, and then you decide that you're going to you're going to wrestle it out with the with the desk adjuster later. I would make sure that the damages that you're claiming are absolutely 100 percent being documented. So so that but and here's the other thing that I would wrap I would wrap this up with. And Brent, I'm going to let you 
tie this up with a bow when I'm done. Here's the other thing. Even if that inspection report comes back with no hail damage, no wind damage, no siding damage, no whatever, 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 the fact of the matter is, is your documentation still has to be answered. Just because their guy didn't find it doesn't change the fact that you did and it's consistent with the damage that with the peril that you are claiming. They still have to answer that. So don't let them go. Well, our guy didn't see anything. Well, that's fine. You didn't see anything. And how unfortunate for him because I'm here to tell you that this is damage. Here's the photo of it. What say you? And I think that that is the most important thing that you can, that you can do when you're dealing with, with, with a reinspection, no matter who else is there. Go ahead and wrap this up, Brent. I don't have a bow. <laughs> I don't have a bow. Oh, you no. don't? I mean, is that is that bow enough for I, you? I think I think you did a great job wrapping that present. It doesn't it doesn't so, need a bow. Well, and and I guess this is where the the, the ladder assist the ladder assist and the and the and the IA are very congruent in fact that they generally don't have the policy they are really just reporting damages on so these two inspections make sure that you're demonstrating the damages and guys we'll get into round 3 cuz it starts right after this the Pain of the Claim is looking for sponsors, and we would love to promote a business that provides services or equipment to public adjusters, restoration companies, and roofing contractors and general contractors. Examples would be like safety gear, roofing-related products, restoration equipment, payment services, CRMs, reporting services, expert services, anything like that. We want to help you tell your story and get you together with the people that really need your help. So give us a call. We can we can get your name out there and we can grow with you. Round three, staff reinspection. Now, by and large, Brent, I just want to say I have found things way more successful when I'm dealing with a staff guy that goes out and reinspects, and it's rare, it's so so rare that we actually get to see a staff guy show up. But by and large, I've had really good results when I deal with a staff a staff guy. What what have you run? Same into? thing. I'd say just it, yeah, I mean it just works better. You had one today, as a matter of fact, yep. didn't you? I mean, a a staff adjuster again, staff and field for those listening. We kind of use those interchangeably basically an actual adjuster that wears a company polo right so right i would say 30 it depends on the loss man like when you're when you're dealing with like larger residential loss usually it there's a uh you know some sort of field person regardless of carrier when it's a larger loss, you're going to have a, a proper field adjuster assigned. On the storm claims, uh -huh. though, you know, maybe 20 to 30, 20% of reinspections actually, you know, you see a, 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 a real quote unquote adjuster or a staff adjuster. And in that 20%, yes, the, the outcomes and the efficiency of achieving said outcome or rather desired outcome is so much better 
Um, so that's my answer on that. Yeah, I mean, if you get if you get a staff adjuster on a storm claim on a reinspection, at least as a public adjuster, the, it's just so much easier because um, you're not cutting through the red tape. You're not dealing with three gatekeepers. Yeah. You're not you're not dealing with you know people muddying the claim. You're going to the source. And when you're dealing with that staff adjuster on some uncertain terms, you know, they have some kind of authority to actually do something. When you're dealing with an IA, unless the unless that independent uh, adjusting company has full authority over the claim, you know, that's a claim's going to go th- go past four different desks before anything happens. Um and the the third party inspecting companies like you know they don't they have no say so i don't know if i answered your well i think i answered your question dealing well yeah no dealing uh yeah. or rather conducting a reinspection with a, with an actual adjuster in in my experience is dramatically different than any of the other sort of you know third party outsource solutions so Well, you know, I, I just I just got a note that was dropped on my desk that I have got a uh, a reinspection of sorts that's not really necessarily a staff adjuster, but they're going to send out an engineer for a claim that they've already extended coverage on. Yeah, which I always think is yeah. fun. You know what I mean? They've already extended coverage. They already know that it's damaged. They've already determined that it's damaged. So my question is now: is what is this engineer looking for? You yeah. know, and the only yeah. thing that I can figure is is the repairability of the roof at this point in time, which they've already in this particular situation deemed it unrepairable. So I'm really curious as to what they're go- what they're getting an, an engineer out there for. And I'm going to call this guy and I'm going to ask him that ver- those very questions. It's like, what's an engineer going out there for? What is it that you need to know? You know did what I'm not, saying? Did they not use an engineer before when they deemed it unrepairable? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> where, why, why now do we need an engineer? That's a good question. Yeah, you not, baby I mean, cakes. You did. You did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, but she's not wrong, right? I mean, that's not that's that's a that's a that's a valid question. And what but was your other engineer wrong. And so the question that I'm looking at here, and by it, and that's why I believe that reinspections, by and large, are simply red herrings in an effort to delay, deny, defend. Do you know what I mean? On occasion, when you were showing an entire new scope of work, like we've got the damage, we've got the roof covered, we've got some interior damage, and then you realize that there's something with, you know, $18 a square foot wood floor that's warped that they haven't seen, and this is damage that they have never looked at or investigated because for whatever reason it was left out of their initial inspection, that's a warranted reason to go reinspect. Do you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, when you're not there to provide prompt, I mean, all of the information that they need to provide payment exists, but I will tell you generally when I get a staff adjuster out there, when he's, you know, shows up in the company car and has the, has the company polo on by and large, that, that is a much easier process because the entire policy is opened up to you. The, all of your, you know, need to negotiate and what you find to be fair and what would be an ec- equitable settlement can be handled right there. I find that a far less waste of time than the other two previous rounds that we discussed. That's just my, that's my working theory and opinion. 
The only caveat is unless you're working with a really small carrier that, you know, they outsource their, basically their claims handling to an IA firm that has full authority. So that's, yeah, but it's still an, ins- well, we'll, we'll run it by the carrier. I run that. I run into that with Lloyd's all the time. You know what I'm saying? Where they don't actually have an entity here in the United States. They just hire a TPA to deal with all that. And when you I, I look and, and I'm at this point, I'm just bitching. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm not. And, and but but yeah, I understand when you've got a small carrier and they and they don't have the staff to service the air. But at the end of the day, why do you have policies in force in a region where you can't support claims? I mean, it'd be a, a great recreational bitch session you know, rumble episode for some other day, but the, as it pertains to what we're talking about, I just think that, you know, in my experience, those guys, it's kind of like they're coming out and they're going, Hey, what are we working with? What do we got? And you're just helping them do their job. And frankly, in so far as you can prove the loss to them, they're going to write for it. And they have the authority to, you know. Sure, that's why. I mean, which that, you I know, mean, and that, that doesn't piss me off. It's like, all right, you know, we're we're out here. Yeah, me neither. We're out here rubbing a couple brain cells together, figuring out how to get this claim settled. You know, and again, I and I'm, I'm going, I'm going backward. I'm, 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 I'm talking about my caveat, which is, you know, an IA that has claim authority. I mean. I have found those experiences by and large to be pretty collaborative, you know, and I, and I don't mind working with those guys and gals cause they, they want to get the thing off their desk. They're working their asses off, you know? And, sure. and, 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 and I, and I want to go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep cutting in, you off. In so far as, in so far as we can prove it to them and, and make sense of it, you know, usually those, those interactions are, are predominantly positive profitable yeah i i i would i would i would agree with you i would agree i said positive but profitable positive whatever same thing um well what i mean by profitable i don't mean monetarily profitable i mean time investment oh yeah 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 yields a positive result is what yeah i it was just uh i i find i find those i mean because i had a reinspection with the staff adjuster you know probably two three weeks ago on a large water loss where the initial independent adjuster that came out who was supposedly a senior adjuster with the company (laughs) that was most certainly an ia that wrote an estimate for twenty four thousand dollars for basically an entire gutted lower level of a home and you know the the home didn't have the finer appointments in it but to write an estimate for twenty four thousand dollars when you're ripping you know everything including the subfloor and the insulation beneath it when i say they took it down to the bones they took it down to the bones right (laughs) and and he writes a twenty four thousand dollar estimate and i'm sitting there scratching my head going you know better than this you know better than this and you know i have the staff adjuster come out and he he writes a, like a $55,000 estimate, you know? And it's like, it's rare that I see a reinspection result on the same scope of work in doubling the, 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 the coverage. You know what I mean? It's, but I see these things happen so many times. It's like, why is this happening? Why are these guys so handcuffed when they initially inspect a loss? Why are they so handcuffed to have a staff guy come out later and basically double or triple 
the 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 the, the coverage extended. I mean, th- man, that's that's. Well, I don't want to go as far to say criminal, but I mean, it is it, negligent. Well, at best. I'll say it. I mean, it's fucked up, but they're banking on people like us not being involved. Yeah, we know we know right. the economics, we know the statistics, and they're just you know, and it's like okay, so hey, we can we can go out and we can provide this service. Insurance is a product, not a service, but we're going to go out and provide this service and we're doing the homeowner a favor and we're going to give them some money. And, you know, guess what? If, if they, if they hire somebody, whether it's, you know, a, a really competent contractor or a public adjuster, whatever, whatever the case, you know, if they hire that, but we'll deal with that shit later. We're not going to go out and give them what we owe them. It does, that doesn't make any business sense. And I want to be clear. I want to be clear. I don't expect any of these guys. If any, if anybody has ever listened to me talk, one of the one of the the biggest teaching points that I that I that I put out there is is to control the narrative, right? So I don't have any problem with an independent adjuster coming out there and writing twenty four thousand dollars worth of an estimate on a on an obvious sixty five or seventy thousand dollar loss. I have zero problem with that. I am completely and totally fine with that because they're out there to do a visual inspection and those things that they can see damage beyond a shadow of a doubt to write an estimate and provide prompt payment to the client. I think is something that they should be doing. And then as the nuance become, be, you know, comes to fruition of this house is going to specifically need these sort of appointments or they have this sort of, um, you know, you know, labor burden in order to produce the job that's in front of us. These things are going to increase where you really need a contractor and his approach to determine the actual cost of that. That's that is the claims process working the way that it should. You know, they come out, they write a check to kind of get the ball rolling. Look, Mr. Contractor, I have a down payment, but we really don't know how much this is going to cost because anybody that has looked at it up to this point isn't a contractor. <laughs> and they do not have the expertise to determine the actual cost and value of this repair project. And so we're going to need your expertise and what it's going to take and and your awareness of the market and the availability of said labor burden to actually get this job produced. And I am okay with them writing a smaller undervalued claim, but but and and this is not to this is not to correlate with the individuals that have, you know, turned in estimates and then the desk or the or the carrier basically, you know, cutting those estimates down to ribbons because they have no intention of providing the actual amount of coverage required to to indemnify the loss. This is about trying to affect their bottom line, you know, but I don't have a problem with the with the necessary steps required to provide prompt payment to your to your insured. I don't have any problem with that. But at the end of the day, it's still their job to prove the loss and proof of the loss could be my house is wide open. Come take a look. Yeah, that's proof. That's that's proof, you know, come investigate for yourself. I mean, because that's that's nothing to hide. You know what I mean? So that's 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 my two cents on that's my two cents on that. By and large, I do find working with the staff adjuster way more effective than working with the 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 ladder service or working with the uh, or inspection service and working with the IA. I had a had an inspection with an IA on Monday. 
Dude was a great guy. Nice guy. I want to pay for it. I want to pay for it. Got up on the roof. I was on the roof. I'm like, mm, I just don't see it here. I'm not seeing the damage. And this, this policy happened to be, according to him, um, I was doing this as a professional courtesy for another public adjuster. So I did not have a chance to review the policy. I was just there basically as a warm body and a pulse to meet with the staff or to meet with the uh, reinspecting adjuster. And he had, he had informed me that he believed that it was a name peril policy. And on name peril policies for water intrusion, you have to have a storm created opening by and large. And he didn't have the policy either, but he had worked with several, and that was kind of what his thought was. But we documented the damages that we found and, you know, inspected the attic, saw the water intrusion come in. But without a storm-created opening, we're not real sure that we can affect coverage here. And so he was a really nice guy, did a great job, very, you know, very thorough, as best I could tell, and and went on his way. And he kind of reminded me of myself as a as an independent adjuster once upon a time that gets paid on the size of the estimate he writes. You know, I can't tell you the number of times of reinspections I've been on. It's like, look, I don't have any interest in saving this carrier money. I'm here to indemnify the loss. And that was always my job. But by and large, Brent, you and I were talking on the phone earlier today, and we realized the people that are actually good at this, that are actually looking at the things, maybe with the same sort of perspective or eye towards coverage that you and I would, those guys don't, they get pulled out of the field and you don't get to deal with those. Yeah. You often are dealing with a high level of inexperience or a very specific task in front of them that doesn't have anything to do with indemnifying the loss. No bow. I have no bow. No bow. That's it, dude. Well said, but not. You know that's uh that's the reinspection, guys. Go ahead, Brent. The um, I, I will throw. Well, it's not even a bow. It's just a closing thought, more or less. My biggest thing is, and and I beat this to death. It's like know the players, whether it's third party inspector company you know, your, your ladder, ladder assist type deal, or it's an IA or a staff adjuster, know the players, know who's coming out, know what they're doing, know the rules, you know, <laughs> and these, you know, you're, you might, whether you're again, a PA or contract, it doesn't matter. Ask the questions that you need to know the answers to. So you have the contextual awareness when you're on site to understand what the hell is going on and why, you know, it's not, I, I want to be crystal clear when I make those comments, it's not so much about like going out and winning the claim. It's, it's about not wasting my time. I can, I can attend a reinspection or any inspection with a lot more clarity and a lot more precision when I know what the hell we're doing there, as opposed to just showing up and winging it and having, you know, an engineer be like, oh, well, I'm going to do my thing and you can't use my ladder. You know, what I'm, like just stupid shit. You yeah. know, it's like, right. I, what I'm saying is a lot more about being efficient and, and, and impactful as opposed to like winning the claim. That's, that's not really the point. So. Those are my closing thoughts as it pertains to this episode. I completely agree with you. I don't have anything else. Guys, that's going to do it 
for this episode of the rumble um it's been a lot of fun brent i always appreciate being able to uh I did. Yeah, no, I did the bell. The bell's the bell's been done. I don't know where you are. What show am I? I think you were on the phone with the desk adjuster. (laughs) That's probably what you're doing. Getting a reinspection scheduled. (laughs) Getting a reinspection. That's literally. I mean, guys, you probably you didn't you can't see this, but uh, Baby Cake stepped out to take a phone call that came in from one of the carriers, and that's that's when I said I had a note dropped on my desk that I'm going to have to meet with an engineer and. but yeah, that's what that's what she was doing. And I was like, "Do you have any idea who you're talking about? This is Baby Cake." <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and you have, you sir, have interrupted the rumble, and yeah. that is not going to be okay. <laughs> well, guys, if you like what you're listening to, please click like and subscribe. If you find it useful or know somebody that could find it useful, I encourage you to share it. We're available anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We're also available on YouTube. Um, and baby cakes has got something to say before we sign off yes, before we sign off, be praying and thinking about Brent and his wife and their new baby. Cause it, it could be any day now, literally it literally, yeah. The due date is this weekend, isn't it? Brent? Friday tomorrow. Her, she is due, yeah, she is due, due tomorrow. And if that doesn't happen, they're inducing on Wednesday. So when you're listening to this, they could be in labor. Yeah. More than likely they could, they could be in labor. So does that mean you're not going to be available next Wednesday? And are we going to have to, <laughs> what's going to happen? We might, there we might be doing it from the hospital, brother. <laughs> we can do a best of. Hey, there we go. We Henry, can do a best of. Maybe I'll have a special. Henry Jameson might make a guest appearance. <laughs> yeah, Man, I would love got, that. He's qualified would... to be a, la- a uh, ladder assistant. <laughs> yeah. Already. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I said it. Guys, we will be back. I'm going to get out of here before this gets uglier. We will be back next week. In the meantime, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And we will see you on the next one.